When we separate our students with special needs in separate classrooms, what message are we giving to our entire community? Um, you know, to always separate those who are different than them, that's not a message that we should be giving. I'm going to make a confession. Not too long ago, I did not believe full inclusion for students with severe cognitive differences was possible or even meaningful. Many of our listeners who work in special ed with children with complex needs may relate to what I'm talking about. Here's a little bit about me. I have worked in school-based OT practice for over 13 years. For the majority of those years, I serviced students who were primarily educated in self-contained classrooms. Some classes were center-based, meaning they were standalone sites with students having little or no contact with their peers from general education. While some of the schools were welcoming and embracing of the students in self-contained classrooms, others were not. The SPED team had to take extraordinary efforts to create opportunities for inclusion. The easiest was, of course, recess, assemblies, and cafeteria. And even there, I have seen schools that preferred our students to hang out at a safer distance. A lot depended on the comfort level of the SPED teacher as well as the other teachers, and also on the principal and the parents in terms of how much they placed, how much value they placed on this and wanted this to happen. There were, of course, some schools where students blended in beautifully and everyone knew each other. The older the students got, though, the lesser they had anything to do with their neurotypical peers. As an OT, I had not paid much attention to this aspect of special ed, but everything changed when I personally witnessed several instances where my therapy sessions became so much more meaningful when the context became one that was inclusive, when I witnessed the effects typical peers had in the learning of our students. In turn, the gen ed students learned just as much. As occupational therapists, we take pride in being holistic in our interventions. When it comes to promoting successful participation in the occupations of schooling for the children we serve, we cannot ignore the context. Often, our interventions to support our students can lead to much better outcomes if we give equal, if not more, weightage to changing the context in which they are situated in. Now, I'm not that naive. This is not always easy nor straightforward to do. But just shifting our focus beyond the person is something to really think about. Welcome to Inclusive Occupations, sharing stories of not just being invited to the party, but dancing. I'm your host, Savita Sundar. I'm a school-based occupational therapist. This podcast is a space for OTs and others who work with children and youth in education to be informed, inspired, and empowered to create an inclusive community for the students they serve. Our special guest today is Brooke Trombley, and she's a special ed teacher from the Charter School of Morgan Hill. So one of my dear friends and colleagues introduced me to this school called the Charter School of Morgan Hill. 
and about the full inclusion philosophy that this school was successfully implementing. And I connected with Brooke about a year ago, pre-COVID, and then with all the craziness and me moving out of California, we lost touch. We reconnected last year and had such a meaningful conversation. And, and it was really interesting getting to know about all their success. And I immediately knew she had to be on the show this month. So welcome, Brooke, to our show. I am so glad to have you with us. So maybe in your own words, can you please share with our listeners a little bit about yourself and your journey in special education? Yes, definitely. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here with you to discuss inclusion, um, which I'm very passionate about. I have been a teacher in special ed for 15 years. Um, The first nine years were in special day classes in both autism only and SDC. Mm -hmm. I've been in four different school districts and have worked with students with varying disabilities. Um, I'd say my journey in special ed started at a very young age when one of my sisters was diagnosed and began uh, SDC classes. Mm -hmm. She was rarely mainstreamed growing up and always in separate classes. Having a sister with special needs is what drew me to being a special ed teacher. So now you work in the Charter School of Morgan Hill, right? Yes. And and so this school was not always fully inclusive. So I heard about this school through the school psychologist I worked with. And she shared um, that her kids went to the school where you were a teacher. Yes. And, and so she said that this school embraces a full inclusion philosophy and she spoke highly about you and how you Aww. are such an efficient teacher. <laughs> manages the whole slew of things that come with it. So tell me something about how the school adopted this philosophy. It wasn't this way always, correct? Correct. So mm-hmm. um, our school was developed in 2001. And for the first couple of years, we were a school of the district. And all moderate to severe um, students went to SDC classes at other schools. Okay. And then, um, uh, so basically for the last nine years, we, Uh probably about nine years ago, we separated from the district and became our own LEA. And... All special ed kiddos that were at the other schools came back to our school. They were immediately put on rosters and the general ed classrooms and fully included. And um, they were pulled out. At that time, um, I was not here right away. So there was one special ed teacher that saw everyone, all mild through severe um, Mm -hmm. for services. And she would pull them out. And then, let's see, six years ago, um, I came on board and I started the moderate to severe program here. So the kids were still included, but we separated the caseload um, between me and the other teachers. So I took the moderate to severe and... um, you know, our school is 
a lottery-based school, so students get in through the lottery, and every student, whether they have an IEP or not, um, has equal opportunity of getting into the school through the lottery system. Okay, okay, so this is a charter school. Right. And, and just like every other kid, if you have a special need and you either go, you get selected in the lottery and you're in the school, then you're part of it. Correct. That's it. Mm-hmm. So, okay. I mean, that, that part's awesome in itself, right? Because it's, mm-hmm. there's no special treatment for anyone. Everyone's treated equally, fairly. And, um, you know, it's, it, we, we kind of never know what my caseload's going to look like because, mm-hmm. we, you know, until the lottery happens for the next year. Um, wow. but, <laughs> but it, but it's been great and we definitely have a pretty high interest, um, with families in our, you know, city and district of wanting their students, you know, their child with disabilities to be in our program because we are an inclusive program. Okay. Okay. So this is, this philosophy in general is appreciated by the community. Yeah. I mean, our leader, our director is the one that, you know, brought our kiddos back from the district and initiated the separation from the district so that our students could be included at our school. You know, she, she, like many other educators, just didn't feel like it was right that our kids were being sent to another school. She wanted them here, like with us, with their peers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, it does take a lot of courage to make that bold move. I'm sure a lot of people want that for their students, but right. to actually act upon it and to make it happen is highly commendable. Definitely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. This is, uh, this is very interesting. So up to what grade does this school service students? So we are kinder through eighth grade. Okay, so it's uh, elementary and middle school. Okay. Yes, so once a student starts with me in kindergarten, they are with me for nine years. <laughs> wow, okay. So yes. the only teacher for the entire school. For, for moderate to severe. severe, yes. All right, okay. And I mean... I say they're with me for nine years. They're on my caseload and I see them for services. You know, I oversee, um, you know, their curriculum in the general ed classroom, oversee aides and train their aide. Um, so, so you're they're... the aide manager for all of them. Yes. And some years you will have more students and some years less. Yeah, I will say it's, it stayed around the same. I, I mean, I think we started around with eight students. Um, I have 11 right now, mm-hmm. um, you know, ranging from autism, Down syndrome, um, ED. Okay. Okay. So, okay. So I have to admit that my background or my experience working in special ed has predominantly been in schools that had self-contained classrooms, right? Right. Um, we all, of course, we had the philosophy, had these um, ideals that we aspired for, that we want our kids to be included and in everything. Mm-hmm. But um, kids with very severe, significant behavior, self-regulation challenges, kids who get really overwhelmed being in a general education classroom, 
those are the kids that we all struggle to envision. How would they manage in a general education classroom, being there all day? How does that work? I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely individualized. And um, I think the, the best part of working at the school is that everyone wants what's best for the student. Mm-hmm. Um, I think sometimes in districts, money can get in the way of that. And, um, you know, if one of our students is in need of an instructional assistant and we feel as a team that that will allow our student to be more successful, then that's something that we look like, or that's something that we look at. Um, All of our students have a one-to-one aid. A couple of them um, only have it for a few hours a day. Okay. And, you know, sometimes they don't need it for PE, depending on the student. Um, When they come to me, um, they're usually, you know, with me during that period of time. And I will say our instructional aids are a huge part of our program. Um, We have have an awesome team. And um, I do train our aides when they come in on behavior strategies. We are in constant communication um, with aides and general ed teachers. Um, We also have a lot of enrichment programs at our schools. So our kids do have separate PE teachers. Um, Before the pandemic, they also had a separate art teacher, separate Spanish teacher. Um, We even have an agriculture program. So we have a little farm on campus with goats and chickens and pigs and a huge garden. Um, that is amazing for our kiddos because, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes when they are getting worked up and we can initiate a break to go be with the goats, Mm -hmm. some of our kids respond to that immediately and they, you know, are able to calm down and regroup and then re-enter the classroom. Um, and they go with their aid. And I mean, that I'd say that happens on a daily basis where one of our kids is able to go see the animals. Wow. Um, that is that is pretty fancy. And, and, and yeah, good. really cool. Love it. Yeah. We have one kiddo that visits the chickens every single day. And that's what um, keeps him on track. He loves the chickens and Mm -hmm. he knows, you know, if he's getting his work done that he gets to go see those chickens. (laughs) Interesting. Okay. So I'm just, just curious to see. So when you talk about specialized instruction, so they get like instructional time away from the general education classroom or is the general education classroom accommodating for them? I I guess it's up to each student. It's very, uh, specific to each student. So if you were to like, say, take one of your students who probably is struggling the most being fully integrated into the Janet classroom, how does their typical day look like? Um, so as you mentioned, you know, it is very individualized, but all of my students have specialized academic instruction time on their IEPs. And okay. that is where they come and see me for specific instruction to work on their IEP goals. Um, Most of our kiddos see me a couple times a day for about 30 to 45 minutes each time. Uh, We usually try to schedule it during their Spanish um, class and then another time that works best with their schedule. 
Um, scheduling definitely gets complicated with us. <laughs> I can imagine. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but, you know, we, we always make it work. Um, and, you know, if a, if a kiddo, I mean, we definitely have a, a kiddo that sometimes it can be harder um, to stay in the general ed class and she may need more breaks. So, um, you know, on that IEP, it, it has more time scheduled with me, right? Um, mm-hmm. And it's flexible too. I mean, not the time on the IEP, but breaks, if they need a break, and they need to come here and take a break in my room. We definitely allow that. And, um, Got it. Okay. Yeah, okay. it's, you know, as needed. We just try to accommodate and help make the student be successful. Okay. And I think the fact that they all have an instructional aid along with them, that uh, probably makes it a little bit more doable, too, that they can be yeah through the classroom that they need to be in. And- things like that. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Um, And all the teachers, I mean, they know to call me if a behavior is escalating and I get right out there. Um, I can usually have my neighbor teacher can kind of cover for me in my room and I can get out there and help de-escalate the situation as needed. Got it. Okay. So have you ever had parents express concerns about their children not getting enough academic learning, um, being in the general ed for most of their day? Has it ever been a concern? No. And honestly, I think Mm -hmm. if it were to come up, um, we would look at the students' needs and, you know, are we meeting are we working on their goals and how often are we working on those goals? But I, I would say all of our parents are so happy mm-hmm. that their students get to be involved in the general ed curriculum. That's wonderful. So would you say that they would, do you have goals for them that, that are addressed in the gen ed classroom as well? Yeah, there definitely are some goals that overlap. Um, you know, maybe there's a goal and the person responsible is me and the general ed teacher and their aide. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it can be worked on in here and then also carried over into the classroom where appropriate. Got it. Okay. Okay. So I'm also curious. So you mentioned that you, they have about 30 to 45 minutes twice a day with you. Right, one on one time. Yeah, I'd say on on average. On average. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, dude, how about related services? Are they usually provided in a push-in manner in Gen Ed, or are they provided, you know, in a, in the special in the classroom that you're in? How does that work? So it definitely varies by student. Um, Again, it's individualized. So it can be a push-in. Definitely some of our students do have some push-in services where it's the speech therapist or the occupational therapist will push into the gen ed classroom and um, support the student with what's going on in there. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they also have their own office on campus. So when they do pull out services, there's a lot of communication in our program. So mm-hmm. in order for them to make their schedules 
Um, I have my schedule first and then I communicate what times would work for those students mm -hmm. because we don't want to pull them out during PE or during ag, um, you know, at the very preferred times when the students can be even more mainstreamed, right? During that time and yeah. included in that subject. Definitely, definitely. So do you find that as they get older, it becomes more challenging to have them fully in gen ed or do you not see that at all or is it pretty much the same? No, I definitely, um, I definitely see that as they get older, depending on, you know, the student's disability, um, we see a, obviously a bigger gap and it, becomes a little bit more challenging, you know, when sixth grade, seventh grade and eighth grade to take the projects and assignments and modify them in a way that meets the students needs. Um, mm -hmm. We're definitely constantly modifying things and, you know, thinking on our feet, okay, how can we make this project work for our student? So they're still, you know, learning the same um, topic and and doing something similar, but, you know, maybe it looks a little different. For example, you know, maybe instead of a student getting up and doing a presentation, they're mm -hmm. holding up a poster and um, their aide is helping them read it. Or um, I know we just had a kiddo do a presentation where she practiced a lot to read, you know, three sentences and there were some pictures on there to help her with the words. Mm -hmm. And she was so proud of herself and mm -hmm. all the kids were clapping. It was, it's a very special thing when our kids are included and it, yeah, I, I can totally visualize that. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. When that opportunity arises, it is really uh, a, a very very happy happy scene there yes <laughs> with everyone appreciating it yeah yeah so I'm just it just pop it, it, it it's a question that I'm just thinking out loud as I am talking to you so when you said modifying curriculums um now is do you do that as a team of like with the related service providers or is it mostly you doing the modifications um I would say it's it's definitely a collaboration between me and the gen ed teacher and their aide. I mean, we talk about ideas and we all throw out some ideas and then we combine what we have to find something that's perfect for that child. And, um, you know, when we need to bring service providers into it, for example, for a kiddo, who maybe has some speech stuff going on and they're doing an oral presentation, uh, we might talk to the speech therapist for ideas. Mm -hmm. um, we also have had some kids practice their presentation in speech. Okay. And then when it comes to, you know, writing um, or drawing or cutting or anything like that, we, we always are talking to our occupational therapist about, okay, how can we best support this kiddo um, with this project. And that's, I think, what I love most. You know, one of the things I love most about our school is that everyone is always talking and communicating. That's wonderful. And that's how it should be, right? Everything right. is a collaborative effort for the success of our students. Do you have Definitely. any interesting story of peer interactions? 
that helped in the learning of your students that you can share with our listeners? Yeah, um, I mean, there's so many stories. <laughs> um, I'm sure, yeah. You know, just every day, I it definitely puts a smile on your face and you, you know, open the door and you look out and, you know, one of our middle schoolers who has Down syndrome is out there playing basketball with his peers and they're all cheering him on and, you know, or I go to one of the lower grades and one of our kiddos is having a hard time transitioning and their peer will walk over, get their hand and our kid goes right with them, you know, and it's just amazing to see their peers step up. They want to help. It, it teaches their typical peers compassion, you know, and, totally. um, you know, I'll never forget a couple years ago when a group of typical peers brought one of our students brownies, cards, and gifts on his birthday without mm -hmm. being prompted by any adult mm -hmm. and just, you know, gave it to him on his birthday. They sang happy birthday. And all of this was what the kids did for him and made him feel so special. I can just imagine the joy in the parents' face when they heard this. Oh, yes. <laughs> they must have been ecstatic. I mean, that is, yeah, that's so beautiful to hear. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's definitely different from my other experiences in districts where my students were very secluded. We, you know, had our own classroom and they were worried about playing with the other kids. They kept to themselves and. And the other kids probably didn't even know about who these uh, students in your classroom were. Yeah. And, it kind of, and right. what they liked. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which yeah. is so sad. Like, what are we teaching kids when we separate our kids who have special needs? You know, we're teaching them to fear that, to fear what's different. And, you know, when they're out on the playground together, they don't know if they should talk to them. They don't, they don't know about the disabilities. I say that's another huge part of our program is, educating our our community and exactly. we definitely go into classrooms and we even have parents that come in and um you know ask to teach their child's class about that child's disability and it's amazing i love it i just i just love hearing that that this is this is i think such a big responsibility on our part as special ed providers to be able to create a community for our students, right? Like that is where they're going to belong and where they, they do belong right now. And in the future, when all our supports are gone, their peers are the ones who are going to be holding hands with them. In their right. Journey. So that is a big responsibility on our part to be able to give that awareness and that education and open their minds, their worlds to the world of special ed. And, and all Absolutely. that it comes with. And I think it's a very, very beautiful world that one has to experience, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Yes, I love it. So thank you, Brooke. And I, okay, so if you were to leave our listeners with something to ponder, what would that be? I know we kind of 
Yeah, we kind of touched on it a little bit. Um, But, you know, I just, I truly believe that every student in an inclusion classroom benefits from inclusion. Typical peers learn compassion and patience while learning not to fear those who may learn different or look different from them, you know? When we separate our students with special needs in separate classrooms, what message are we giving to our entire community? Um, you know, to always separate those who are different than them, that's not a message that we should be giving. When we include all kids, we are sending a message of acceptance. We are sending a message that says it's okay to talk with our kiddos, to play with them, and to include them. And it's our job to educate the students, the parents, the staff, so that our kids can be included. Yep. I cannot agree more. Thank you so much for sharing all your insights, experiences, and everything with us, listeners. Yes, thank you for having me. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you, Brooke. You have a wonderful day. You too. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye.